The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Lord, be on my mind, be on my lips, and in my heart. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now there was a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. And when they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of sinners. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. So, starting a couple weeks ago and continuing a couple weeks more, Father Carlos and I are helping to unravel and share our new pastoral vision and plan for evangelization. Last week we talked about what the new evangelization was, the movement of the church, official firm, the encouraged parishes and pastors to do. And evangelization is not new and part of the church's call, but it's called a new evangelization now because unlike days of old when we thought of unchristianized countries needing to evangelize, new evangelization, evangelization realizes that we need to focus even on the Christianized countries. And at the heart of the new evangelization is a realization that evangelization is the work of God, who by a miracle touches a person's heart to make them want to learn more about God who they've encountered, and then comes the catechesis and the learning. And so there is a process, and it is a work by God, a miracle. Something happens in a person's heart that moves them to recognize there is a God and want to learn more and to follow that God. Today's gospel really shows more about what that miracle is. It's a very simple scene. 
And we can think of it as a very simple scene, but it's really a very profound scene. Zacchaeus was seeking to know Jesus. Right? Zacchaeus didn't know Jesus. But he must have heard something about Jesus. He must have heard of his goodness and of his power. And he must have recognized there's something lacking in his heart and in his life. He must have been curious. And he must have been open to find out what it was and potentially change his life. And then worse, when the world or the crowd prevented him from finding Jesus, he had the courage to look like a fool, to go out on a limb, a grown man, so that he could see Jesus. And then when Jesus walked by, what happened? It sounds so simple, right? Jesus says, Zacchaeus. How did Jesus know Zacchaeus' name? And Jesus looked back. And Zacchaeus, I would assume, looked back. Their eyes meet. Don't know what it is, but something powerful happened. That Zacchaeus comes down from that tree and offers to give away half his money and to make reprimand for all that he'd done wrong. Boy, something must have happened in that gaze. And it wasn't just a human interaction. Somehow, during that encounter, when Zacchaeus encountered the Lord face to face, when the Lord called him by name, he experienced that miracle. He knew that he encountered the risen Lord. He knew that he encountered God incarnate. And when he comes down, he even calls him Lord. This process of having an encounter with Jesus, and for us today, it's the risen Jesus, that helps us to know that we've encountered God and changed our life, is called an encounter with God. Jesus is a person. God incarnate, so that we personally can have a personal relationship with God. You've heard that term perhaps before. A personal relationship with God. God calls us by name and knows us and reveals himself to us. Now, for some people, that's something that they disagree with. And I've heard it talked about a lot and I recently but some people tell me that, well, that's not Catholic. Those are non-Catholic Christians that say we have a personal encounter with God. And so I've come prepared, in case maybe you think that sometimes. I have some quotes from the Vatican. You know, Vatican's pretty Catholic. <laughs> Can I read a few of these? This is from the Synod in 2012 on the new evangelization. This was the document preparing for the sin. The Christian faith is not simply teaching, wise things, a code of morality, or a tradition. The Christian faith is a true encounter and relationship with Jesus Christ. Transmitting the faith means to create in every place and time the conditions which lead to this encounter between the person 
and Jesus. The goal of evangelization is to create the possibility for this encounter, which is one at the same time intimate and personal. Our non-Catholic brothers and sisters are really emphasize that, I believe. But then, the quote goes on, which is really the Catholic part, it's also public and communal. Pope Benedict the 16th stated, Being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or an lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. End of quote from St. Benedict going on with the Vatican document. After this encounter, everything is different. In a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, faith takes the form of a relationship with Him. And in remembrance of Him, especially in the Eucharist and the Word of God, and creates in us the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit, which draws us into the church and makes us witnesses and heralds of the gospel. This encounter with Christ is a fundamental part of our faith. Before going up that tree, Zacchaeus was not yet a disciple of Jesus. He was searching. He was curious. He was open. But up in that tree, he encountered God, and he came down, and he followed Jesus. This is what a disciple is. Someone who has had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. Now again, for the skeptics out there, and this is going to take a little longer, but for me, I love this. Some people I've heard it say, you know, the universe is so big, and everything is so large, how can God possibly be able to interact with everyone individually and change the course of their lives? Well, some statistics that are exciting for me Is that there? Lost my notes, but I'm just remembering. In our Milky Way galaxy, there are a hundred billion stars. A lot of stars. Did you know that there are anywhere from a hundred billion to ten trillion galaxies? And so, the number of stars in our universe is over a sextillion. How big is that? If you took a built a sand cap and every grain of sand represented one of the stars, that sand castle would be five miles wide, five miles the other direction, and five miles high. And that's approximately the number of stars in the universe. And how big is a star? Our sun is a smallest star, and it can fit one hundred uh, can fit one million Earths. The larger stars can fit a gillion. Is that the right word? A whole bunch more. Moral of the story, the universe is big. Yet in the first reading, do you hear what it says? That God compared to the universe or the universe is like a grain of sand compared to God. 
So although it's very understandable to believe that God does not have anything to do with us in such a big universe with such an insignificant thing, the miracle, the wonder is, is that for God, it isn't that because God is still so much bigger. And what a wonder that God would do this. And God actually told us He would do this. In John chapter 14, verse 28, He says, I will reveal Myself to you. In John chapter 10, He says, I know My sheep, I call them by name, and they know Me. You know the story of St. Paul and the Acts of the Apostles. He did not know Jesus before His death and resurrection. But on the road to Damascus, he had a personal encounter with the risen Lord that changed his life. And now in the New Testament, he's the one that tells us the most about Jesus. How incredible is that? Now, I know that's an extraordinary story, and we think about that, and we say, that couldn't happen to me. But what I do say is why, why that's in the Bible is to let us know it can happen. And for St. Paul, it did happen in an instant. Some of us, it takes 80 years. But we are all called to have such a profound and real encounter with Jesus Christ that it changes our life. And we want to learn. We want to follow. Almost like a natural reaction when the doctor hits your knee and your leg kicks up. We can't help but follow God and to love Him when the God of this universe that is so big reveals Himself to us and calls us by name. And so fundamental part of our new pastoral plan and vision is Jesus in Matthew 28 says, go make disciples and then tell them or teach them everything I taught. And so a disciple is someone who has a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ like the kids did. But let's be more specific. How do I know really how a disciple is changed or behaved? And so part of our pastoral plan we have to lay out a vision. What is a disciple? What should we shoot for as disciples of Jesus? And so I'd like to ask that we look at this for a little bit. This is a long list. This list is in your bulletin. This list is in your newsletter. It's on our website. And so part of our pastoral plan, I want you to prayerfully look at this. But today I'm going to go over it quickly. A mission of the disciple has a response to God's love, committed themselves to know, love, and follow Jesus in the following ways. I'm not going to read through it all, but guided by the Holy Spirit, seeks to discern and follow God's will in all things. Following God's will, not our will, right? Sometimes we think of that in the big things, like the job we take or who we marry, but it means in the little things, too, who our friends are, how we spend our free time. Do we seek God's will? To seek the second one, seeks ongoing conversion and transformation in Christ. One of the differences between non-Catholic and Catholic Christianity is not all of the same, but one of the characteristics is Catholics believe that we are transformed into Christ's likeness. We're supposed to be growing and becoming more holy. It's the work of God, but over time, we become less selfish. We become more thoughtful of others. We become more honest and truthful, more dependable we become, in short, holier. And so are we committed to becoming a better person with God's help each day, admitting our faults and trying to do better? It's nourished by the sacraments frequently, right? 
We will come to church. It's both individual and communal, this encounter with God and our response to it. And we know have a prayer life. A prayer life every day where we listen to God revealing Himself to us, not just talking to God, but in the Scriptures and in reflecting on our lives. We should know the Scriptures, right? How many Catholics are guilty of not really knowing the Scriptures that well? St. Jerome says, ignorance of Scriptures is ignorance of Christ. The disciple of Jesus Christ must study and read and pray the Scriptures. We must know and be able to explain the basics of our Catholic faith to one another. And discern where God is calling us to help in what's called a vocation for our mission to build up the church, including the charismatic gift. God gives us supernatural gifts, discernment, miracles, healing, but also God gives gifts that are not as miraculous seemingly, like teaching and administration. Whatever is the gift God gives us, we use it. We care about the kingdom growing. We care to share the gospel message with others. And we can basically explain how Jesus saves us through his life, death, and resurrection. And we're able to share what God has done with us. And that makes us then mentors of others. Or another word for that is missionary disciples. And so, I would like in conclusion to share that the vision of our church given the mission by Jesus, Matthew 28, to go and make disciples. The vision of our church is to be like that limb that Zacchaeus find out. How can we help others see and encounter Christ? And so, our mission statement is called by God, filled with the Holy Spirit, because this is a mission that God gave us. We can't do it without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Welcoming all to discover, follow, and share Jesus Christ. We can bring people into the church. We can reach out to them and welcome them and share what we've encountered in Jesus Christ. Help them to know how to do it too. Explain who Jesus is. Invite them to pray and to seek Jesus. And when they do, to help them then learn more about Jesus, to follow Him. And so there's a process for every disciple Jesus, after that period of speaking, curiosity, openness, then we follow him, we learn how to do some of the things in this list of, of the characteristics of a disciple, and then we want to share that with others. We learn how to talk about this encounter and who this Jesus is that changed our lives, in our individual lives, in our family, and also people who walk into this church who we've never seen before. We welcome them and help them speak and turn to you. This is the plan for our church. And we will start in January with Pathways to Discipleship. Programs or experiences that we would invite everyone to go through. And we will go through the step of discover, step of follow, and a step of share. Learning the basics, and you might want to invite people in your family who don't come to church or are still searching for that first step to come with them. The second step, how to pray more, learn more about Scripture and sacrament. 
And the third step is how to talk to people in despair. We will continue to do this pathway to discipleship year after year after year. And not everyone can do it, right? We understand. But after the first year, Jesus, like Jesus, he made 12 disciples in three years. And then what happened? Those 12 disciples after he died went out, perhaps in another three years, made 144 disciples. Doesn't sound like much, right? But then, after three more years, 144 times 144, that's 20,000. The church, over a period of five to ten years, can grow tremendously just by this process. So that's what we're committing ourselves to in this new era of Center for so I'd like to invite you to with me right now to pray for the evangelization prayer, which has our church vision on it. And on the other side of the evangelization prayer, let's pray that together right now. And I invite you to take these prayers home make it part of your prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you because you know well the world that you sent your only begotten Son to save us. Lord Jesus Christ, you call disciples to follow you and form them to share in your ministry of salvation. Form us as your disciples. Help us to invite others to discover you, to follow you, and to share in your mission of proclaiming the gospel. Holy Spirit, we praise you. Come into our hearts, renew us, and guide us. Be with our parents and leaders, our staff and clergy, and every member of our parents who is called to bring others to Jesus Christ. Inspire us to reach out to our family members, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, and friends. Help us to encounter the love of God in a life-changing way. We pray for them all right now, Lord, that they come to know you. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mother of the Church and our Patroness, direct our ministry to be more fruitful and lead more souls to Christ your Son. 